0: Alrighty, we are back for another exciting edition of Cloverleaf, Leaf Radio. I am the host of the most, the king of the quarantine, Jimmy Falcon, and it is an absolute honor to welcome back the very funny, the multi-talented Scott Schiaffo. How's it going, Scott?
1: Hey, it's going really well. Thanks for having me.
0: You know, something, I, I'm sure I knew it, but something we haven't talked about in past interviews, you are just an aficionado with music, man. Keyboard, bass, harmonica, you know, guitar itself. What drew you to music, and and how did you become great at so many instruments?
1: Wow. Um, well, you know, music really was, and I guess still is, my first passion. From as long as I can remember, when I was a small child, I was attracted to music. I had an older cousin who was somewhat like a father figure to me growing up because I was raised by a single mother. So he was a very important figure in my life. He was like an older brother slash father figure. And he was a musician and he yeah. was up to date with all the music of the day. So he would bring home new records all the time. And, uh, and you know, I'm, we're talking in the 60s and the 70s, so he was bringing home Beatles and Stones albums as they were actually being released, and I just fell in love with music from as long as I can remember, and then I bugged my mom for a drum set initially because I was uh, thinking I was going to be a drummer, but we lived in a tiny apartment, so that was out of the question, and she got the guitar, which I'm very thankful now, uh, And then I just, as soon as I began plunking away, she got me some lessons, and I was just obsessed with guitar from the time I can remember, right about through college and in my 20s. So uh, music really did come first as far as a passion and a a driving thing, but uh, films and film acting are a real close second.
0: Well, I guess I was going to, was curious what some of your favorite bands or influences might have been, but of course, Beatles. I mean, that's, uh, that's a lot of great talent. And I think some people tend to look past the lyrics uh, and think it's just crazy lyrics, but I mean, you, you turn it on you listen to it, and it just makes you want to get up and move and sing the songs, even if they don't make sense.
1: Yeah, the Beatles, I mean, I like I say, I, I grew up at a time when, uh, I mean, I was really young. I was like, four, five, six years old, and by the time I was seven or eight, the Beatles had broken up, but I, you know, in the 70s, their records were still somewhat considered new, so in the 70s, we had all the great stuff from the 60s, Beatles, Stones, Zeppelin, Who, the Young Rascals, were a very uh, influential band, Uh, they also came from my area, Uh, they were East Coast uh, guys, so that was exciting, and you know, I Music was just the kind of thing that I, I, I knew right away. It was something that, you know, they say it's a... It's, it's, a, it's a communication language that right. exceeds any barriers. like And it really does. It's a feeling thing. Uh, the only other thing I felt be powerful in that kind of similar way was the medium of film. Uh, film is very powerful. But... Um, yeah, I feel very fortunate that I had a, a my mother was very supportive, and I, I just was really obsessed with the guitar from age 12 or 13, right up into my middle 20s.
0: Wow. And of course, uh, you know, I see a movie on your IMDb that I've come across before, but didn't think much about it because there's no photos that I could find or anything. But it's called the Broccoli Theory, and a young lady named Selma Blair was in that movie as well.
1: That is correct, and that's actually her first uh, film credit. Now, unfortunately, I didn't get to work with her in that film. She's we're both in very different scenes, right. and she's just a featured. She's a featured. She. We wouldn't even call the role that I play and the role that she played, we weren't even necessarily supporting characters. We were uh, one-off characters that kind of came and went and were used for comedic sort of a comedic breakup. But yeah, that was Sheldon's very first film. And, uh, years later, it, it was such a nice accolade to be able to say that and have that on my resume as well, that we appeared in a film together. Um, And unfortunately, that film hasn't, not really been commercially released, I don't think.
0: I think it was only played, yeah, it only played at festivals. That makes sense, and I guess that would be uh, why there's not much to find about it, but uh, you know, I guess I just thought it was neat that, uh, you know, you were pumping hard at this and have been pumping hard at it for now 30 years. Um, and you've just got to work with so many wonderful people. I think maybe, uh, of course, doing so much stuff with Kevin and, uh, you know, clerks, of course, I'm sure you, you talk about it every day almost, I'm, but, uh, you have done so much other great things. I thought it was interesting that your, your second thing I could find on IMDB, I don't always consider that to be accurate, but was a uh, credit, credit film that Selma Blair happened to be in as well.
1: Yeah, that was relatively soon after Clerks. The first few years after Clerks, there were a handful of films I worked on that didn't necessarily get released till uh, a good handful of years later. Uh, I got a very uh, great opportunity in the mid-'90s to work opposite Michael DiLorenzo, who at the time was a very big television star on New York Undercover. He was um, one half of the detective team on that show. And at that time, you know, this is way before, this is long before internet and streaming. And all you had was network television. And Fox had started up their own network. And they were kind of coming up with uh, mostly comedy. But they did have a lot of dramas. And uh, Michael's show was a a top-rated show for quite a few years there in the middle 90s. New York Undercover, he played uh, Detective Torres, so I got to do a really fun film with him, which was like a mobster spoof, but um, unfortunately, some of these have not been released commercially in a bigger way, and I, I'm still hoping
0: that the producers get on top of some of these, and now that streaming is such a right
1: uh, easy way to get your film out and see how I hope they're going to put the films out in a bigger way, but... Uh, a lot of
0: clips from these films can be seen on my YouTube. Very cool. I'm sure that, uh, especially back in the day when you didn't have a budget, so much of a budget, if any, uh, especially like starting with Clerks, um, it had to be something kind of crazy and wild. So you imagine uh, now here you're like 20, 26 years now, since that film came out and you're still pumping hard at it, um, what do you think? In your opinion, of course, the hardest part of making a movie or being a, being in a movie. Uh
1: well, being in a movie, or you know, as far as an actor, or actually yeah. making a movie as an indie filmmaker.
0: Both, actually.
1: Um. Well, for you know, on the acting side of things, if you are. If, you know if you're prepared and you have a good relationship with the director uh, ideally it's a, it's a sort of symbiotic relationship where you're both creating and uh, ultimately for me as an actor I one of the most important things for me to do is to please the director above and beyond pleasing myself because there are many times I might think a certain uh, a certain decision that a character, might make, given the scene, might not at all be what the director's vision is. So you have a lot of hands-on directors, and you have some directors who kind of let you really take control yourself. But Kevin was very hands-on because his dialogue is so important to him, and rightfully so. Uh, so there was no room for any real improvisation in,
0: in especially his early films. But. Um, So I would say one of the biggest
1: challenges is just to be as prepared as possible and on the days you shoot to come up with your A-game. But as far as producing and directing indie film, God, that's... My hat's off to anybody who... It's funny, there's a saying in the business sort of like, you know, I respect anybody who makes even a piece of garbage because it's so hard to make anything to to conceive, finish, shoot, and get a film out. So, granted, say a film is poorly made or just isn't a very powerful film, just getting a film made and out is such a difficult
0: task, especially with no budget. Oh, I'm sure. And I bet it was really nice on that first one, being that you guys, uh, you know, were buddies. There wasn't... uh, you know, like a stigma or anything like it's been so long that I think Hollywood has, has grown a lot. Um, and being that it was it was black and white, which was something that hadn't been around for a good 40 years. Um, and that still has it hasn't affected it a bit. It's, it's a cult classic. It's hilarious. It's spawned a whole generation of laughs and love for everybody.
1: Yeah, you know...
0: You've been a big part Um, of that, too. You've been a big part of that with all your appearances in the films as well.
1: Yeah, as I tell you, it's a a blessing. And, you know, there's no way that you can have any idea going into any project what kind of life it's going to have after it's finally released. I mean, uh, one interesting thing with the experience with Clerks was, uh, although as far as the myth of the story of the film is pretty well known, uh, not all of us that were in the cast were actually friends with Kevin in a personal way. Uh, Brian O'Halloran, who played Dante, and, okay. and uh, Marilyn Gigliotti, and myself, uh, we were strangers. We didn't know Kevin at all. We didn't know any of the folks that Kevin knew well. We came from, I mean, I came from like an hour and a half, almost hour 45 minutes drive up north from New Jersey. So we weren't, Social or friends at the time. Uh, Of course, we became friends over the years. Certainly not close, close. I could. Brian O'Halloran has become a a confidant of mine, and we've been on the road together so much with the conventions. We've become friends in Maryland. I could say you know we are actually friends today. But back then, you know, you kind of got in there, you did your job, and you were gone. That's that's what happened then. But it was a very exciting atmosphere on the set because Kevin was a very uh, driven and, to me, obviously very talented and intelligent guy.
0: Yeah, I think uh, it's kind of getting along the lines of uh, it's great everybody can make these independent films. They have a way to get them out to streaming services. But if you still go to, you know, knock, knock, knock on Hollywood's door, it's where it kind of starts to get... Eh. Do you have a big enough budget? Is there a big name in this? And I think it kind of just starts messing with the product that you wanted to put out.
1: Yeah, you know, it is two completely different worlds when you're working within the old school Hollywood system
0: and anything independent, which is why independent became such a
1: prominent thing back in the late 80s, early 90s. And now I'm not even sure what the designation could truly be because. There's so many different entities uh, and ways to go about making a film now and so many different avenues to get it out. You could have major studio support and backing or you could be independently
0: financed and still be a big budget film. Um, Good point. And now you have
1: so many other platforms like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and all these streaming places that became within the last five years, I mean, they are really the big, big guns now, but bigger than, they kind of put a lot of the Hollywood studios in their place, so to speak.
0: That's a good point. I feel like sometimes yeah, I, I turn this into some kind of debate show, and I <laughs> I try to make my points, but, I mean, it's it's valid. I mean, you everybody's got Netflix, Hulu, um well, Amazon has yeah Amazon has everything. I mean, Amazon's gonna have uh, probably fifteen restaurants coming out next year, but uh, you know it's interesting how um, necessarily not Hollywood, but big business has even become like a Hollywood.
1: Yeah, well, you know what happens is something gets uh, when something becomes very popular with a large cross section of people, meaning you know from all age groups whether it's, you know, six years old to 60 years old. And that can be a restaurant or uh, so sometimes it could be uh, maybe certain magazines or certain books. Uh, rarely does something cross that many generations. Uh, Kevin, very fortunate that his audience grew up with him, and now we yeah. see, uh, you know, his children of the people who were initially kevin smith fans are now becoming kevin smith fans so that's a real blessing for any artist who gets a multi-generational uh chance at appeal it's it's really it's a real big blessing you know
0: well with uh, everything kind of as it is right now uh before we get i always like to talk about the future uh, but sticking to uh, kind of the, the most recent um, and the most funniest one that I actually own um, was uh, Van Silent Bob Reboot. And you guys had a cameo on that. There was a ton of fantastic cameos. Uh, I think the movie was a long time coming. Um, knowing how the movie industry can be uh, with cuts and edits and stuff. Uh, what was it like coming back, uh, being you know reunited with your uh, your clerks, um, comrades, so to say, for the panel in the closet, as I'll call it.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, it was wonderful. It was uh, again a blessing, and I had heard from Ernie O'Donnell, actually, who plays Rick Darris, who uh, had heard from Kevin. That Kevin had this idea about a very specific cameo for the cast of Clerks. And uh, when I heard the idea, I was just kind of gobsmacked right there in my shoes. Because if you would have told me, like even a handful of years ago, like he talks, whenever he talks about doing certain films, there's a lot of times that if he has a spot where he can bring in an older character. Or one of the actors from one of those films in a new way, just to do a fun cameo. Uh, if it makes sense to the writing, he'll do it. But if you would have told me that someday we would actually have the ability to do a cameo in one of his films, but playing ourselves, that's really bizarre. Like uh, you know, I never saw that coming in a million years, and to the for the fans especially. It's a really special moment. It was just really exciting, but they, there are so many awesome cameos in that that just oh, yeah. a handful of days that I was on the set, we got to see some old friends and a lot of people I hadn't seen, and it's just, it's a real its a real love letter to the fans.
0: Yeah, it was, uh, I could tell it, it definitely had, uh, you know, if you were, or were, are, is a Kevin Smith fan, uh, you definitely can tell how, uh, you know, how much he's, A, grown, how much he, B, is able to keep a rhythm, and, C, he does remember the people that have helped him get to where he's at, you yourself included. Yeah, and,
1: you know, you got to also take into account, <clears throat> with Reboot, uh, we're talking about a scenario where, I mean, the man almost died. That's true. So... After his heart attack scenario, he became very much, uh, well, Not, I don't want to say, uh, it became very important to make the most of every day because none of us ever really know when we could, when our time is coming. So his zest and zeal for making the most of every day and getting on top of a project and doing it and not putting things off became paramount and wanting to reach out to all the people he worked with over the last 20 or 30 years and put them in what he was hoping to be his uh, swan song of, uh, you know, that would marry up all of the characters from all of the previous films. So he's going into reboot with that mindset. And, you know, the near, the near fatal heart attack had a lot to do with that, you know, and thank God we didn't lose him, but that definitely spurred on getting this reboot made, you know, the fact that they tried to do Clerks 3 and it wasn't panning out, it wasn't panning out, you know, it it turned out the reason why it wasn't panning out was it was opening the door for the reboot, kind of.
0: Yeah, you make a good point. Um, I know uh, the world was just uh, you know, scared. Uh, You know, anytime you or with uh, anybody whether it's your family um, or even if you grew up with someone in tons of movies it's feel like you know them somehow and to see uh the drastic weight and uh you know the heart attack and it, it it's a scary thought it has to be uh, you know so i guess that was good he was uh he was able to do that and is is still going for for more uh, exciting projects so he could he could top reboot
1: yeah and Uh, he created, as a result with how Reboot was financed and how Reboot was released and touring the movie as almost a live event he was able to create a new way to recoup money for a film that would not have necessarily maybe made a big dent in theaters but when he goes around and tours it live, he's able to recoup money in a different way, which it's almost like a new approach to not only financing but also how to release a movie and how to recoup your money because obviously the investors, they all want their money back and then they want a profit and you can't blame them. So now, you know, when what he's done with Reboot, I would imagine moving forward, depending on how things pan out now after COVID, but COVID's ruining everything, but uh, chances are with the Mallrats... Uh, Sequel and and eventually a Clerks three. I would imagine he will file suit and probably tour the movies with cast members and and, and release it in that kind of way. Uh, but I don't know. COVID's scary. I don't know. It's hard to say when there'll be a time in the future that people will be okay with large gatherings and that we're going to be safe. It's this has been a crazy year.
0: Well, absolutely. It's been one for the ages, sir. Uh, final question, and this one's always up in the air a little bit, especially with uh, this year. But it is COVID Leaf. It's a special edition, so we got to keep it that way. What does the future hold for you? What What's uh, Scott Schiaffo doing now with his life and, uh, and moving forward into 2021?
1: Well, I've actually been very fortunate that even though with COVID, uh, all of the conventions, <coughs> All of my convention itinerary obviously went right down uh, for all of us. The conventions are off the table now, obviously. But we had a handful of really exciting ones this year that unfortunately were canceled. But there were a handful of films I got to work on or I got to see released that uh, came out during this whole madness. um, A film called Darkness Waits, where I have a nice role uh, as the, the mayor of a... He's sort of a crooked mare, but uh, it's a horror movie sequel, Darkness Waits, that's been out a few months, and that's out available for streaming on Amazon. Uh, I'm working on another thing for YouTube called um, The Deep State, which is a political uh, thriller, and I'm doing the music for that as well as I have a, a character role that's repeating. I worked with David Madison in a film called Wit's End, that was released two, three months ago that got a really nice response on Amazon. Uh, I'm in the cast as well as doing the music. Something coming out really soon is called uh, Jesus versus Satan's The uh, Zombie Apocalypse. It's a bizarre short film uh, that I will post about that I, I can't do it justice now quickly, trying to raffle everything off. And my audio book was just released with a really nice custom-illustrated booklet from Scott Meany, the artist. Uh, that's all out available on Amazon, the book, Audible, and the CD, which comes with this really wonderful 20-page booklet. So I feel blessed to continue doing projects, even with COVID. Um, it's just now we all adapt to what we have to do uh, under these circumstances. It's, it's so crazy, but we have to stay safe, and we have to stay on the same page. We have to try to push to get some more brotherly unity. I don't want to sound like a hippie, but I believe in that.
0: <laughs> oh, I agree.
1: You know, we, we were at a time now where division is stronger than ever, and that's just not good.
0: Absolutely. I think uh, at the end of the day, at the end, when November's over, you know, it just needs to go back to, you know, things need to be better. COVID... You know I don't believe it's gonna be gone. Like I've, so many people say that the COVID is gonna be gone after the election, but it just needs to. People need to start loving each other more, caring for each other more, hold the door for someone, say hello. Um. The masks are impeding a lot of uh, a lot of things. Uh, I can say from my own experience. Uh, it doesn't yeah, help with anxiety uh... for sure, but um. It's it's a struggle. Yeah,
1: sure, no, it's it's crazy. It's a struggle, and it's uh, it's, it's unfounded. Like n- nobody could have seen any of this coming, per se. I know I never thought I'd live through something this profound. I, it's mind blowing to me. I mean, I'm not a kid. I'm far from it. I'm getting old now, but I, I can't believe just it's just this past year alone where we're at politically and where we're at with this horrible virus.
0: You know. Well, I know one one thing's not horrible. You got some great stuff going on. You got an audio book out. Uh, what's the name of that before we say goodbye to everybody so they can check it out?
1: Uh, it's called. It's a long title. It's the title of the book. The book's been out a while, but the audible and the CD just came out over the last couple of weeks. It's called "Vicious Dogs Attack Me and Sleepless Nights of Summer." It's the same title as the book. But if people would and if they have the interest please reach out to me on any social media. I'll gladly point you in the right direction. I have a web page on my website where I do have all these items available and a good amount of the money goes to an animal rescue charity I work with so it's all full circle and it all you know all for good but uh, I appreciate your time and thank you for letting me promote my my, uh, projects.
0: Absolutely, Scott. Keep loving the fur babies and keep plugging and keep going, my friend.
1: I will, and you do the same. And again, thanks for having me on, man.
0: Yes, thank you. Have a great night. Thanks again.
1: You too. Good night, man.
0: Bye-bye.